Let's call that a clean sweep, Suns fans. A five-game road trip for your Phoenix Suns ends in Dallas, Texas this evening against the Dallas Mavericks. They come from behind, they defeat the Mavericks, and now they have won five consecutive and all were on the road. Furthermore, they have beat the Dallas Mavericks in the last nine meetings. Nine oh. meetings. <laughs> hey, pick what's a up? There. Nine <laughs> meetings yeah. between the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks, 9-0 and for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, we got their number. And uh, just really quick, John, do you, is your new internet up and running? Because you look crisp, clean, HDMI, it is 400K. Not. No? Okay. It is not. But what I did is good. I went onto my my Wi-Fi network, and I turned off pretty much everything that pulls Wi-Fi, including the TV in the main living room. And right before I started, I informed my wife, hey, if you want to watch The Real Housewives of Orange County, you're going to have to stream it from the PS4 in the room. because." And she's like, well, this is dumb. I'm like, then that is why we're getting new Wi-Fi, and it'll be <laughs> on Saturday we'll be doing that. There you go. You got to get it done in that house, John. Amen. Show her who's boss. Whoa now. Whoa now. Let's be nice. Come on. But yeah, nine in a row for Phoenix mm-hmm. over the Mavericks. Five yeah, in a row on this road trip. What a great road trip, man. Yeah, it's been great. And a lot of hard-fought games. No Aiton, of course, this game in the last few games. And the way the Suns have been playing these games and finishing them out, it's like they... I think I said it last pod is like they're just finding different ways to win. But it always just comes down to defense in the end. You know, it's always poking the ball away. How many times has a run started or in the middle of a run where it's Chris Paul poking the ball away for a steal. Oh, it's Chris Paul again. Oh, it's Mikhail Bridges. Like these guys just feed off of that. They're one of the few teams in the league really that can just turn on the switch on defense and then get their offense going. Yeah. I mean, they're a defensive minded team and they tighten the screws in the clutch time. And we'll definitely talk about those clutch time statistics entering this game. What we saw in the clutch time tonight, because they were down eight going into the fourth quarter. They were down eight at halftime. You know, I watched some of the game with you and we saw Luka Doncic, you know, once Jay Crowder threw that shitty outlet pass to Mikhail Bridges going into the half and Luka Doncic intercepted it, hits the buzzer beater three. I was like, yeah, that's the highlight that they're going to show tonight on ESPN and it'll be the Suns win by eight. And sure enough, that's pretty much <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen. So, you know, again, kudos to this team. Uh, man, it's fun being a Suns fan right now, man. God. Oh, fun. yeah. Nothing better than that. Seriously. Amen. Amen. It's just every night they find a new way to uh, surprise and amaze you. So we're definitely going to break down this matchup between the Dallas Mavericks on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. So if you're joining us live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Hit that thumbs up button on YouTube and hit the bell notification as well because it's going to let you know whenever we go live. And one thing that we've just started doing, something that I did, I think yesterday was the first time we did it, Jam Session Shorts or Jorts for short, uh, is something where, you know, Matthew and myself or Matthew or myself will go on live kind of randomly and just give a five to 10 minute point of view on something. You know, if uh, we find out that Devin Booker has been voted to the all-star game, we're going to have quick reaction videos on the Suns Jam Session podcast feed auto on the audio side. But on the YouTube side, uh, we're going to be live as well. So the only way that you know that that's occurring is if you hit that little bell notification. So a fun new thing that we decided we would start doing. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam. You excited for these jorts, Matthew? I am. Yeah, yeah. It's something that was in the works. And the first one was beautiful, John. You did a great job. You look really crisp, too. I got to tell you, back-to-back videos with you. Like, it's, everyone Don't can actually jinx see your it, face. man. Because all of a sudden, my Wi-Fi, like, all of a sudden you're the, drop the router off, will like, oh, blow up. <laughs> I'm going to start my, scrambling here. Like, uh, to talk about. So, so don't yeah, leave just, me, John. All right. I won't. Just don't dig okay, in your nose. Leave me. So on that note, Matthew's going to pop a V8, it looks like. I've already got a Diet Dr. Pepper open for some freaking reason. So pop them if you got them, Suns fans. Let's talk about this quality, quality win over those fucking Dallas Mavericks, man. Cheers. Cheers. see plenty of jamsters who are joining us live in the chat expressing their love and admiration for this Phoenix Suns team. You know, Chris too, this team is amazing. You got the Burger Burger Gold Burger Boy. Okay, the Burger Boy. What a win. Even sweeter when you see Doncic smirking. This team is just good. And, you know, coming into this game knowing we were playing 
the Dallas Mavericks for the first time this season with Luka Doncic. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask. Do you think Luka Doncic is going to one day have a lot of lower body problems like Zion because he's just so goddamn fat. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I mean. You know what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, John, he came over for a little bit to celebrate my birthday tonight. We had some nice cake. And you know so what? Beef stroganoff. Um, beef stroganoff. And uh, he made a little bit of uh, maybe a couple, maybe three of them, some fat jokes towards Luca all night long. So I'm one uh, to talk. You know, <laughs> it's, it's something we talked about. I think it was probably the only thing we talked about is him having like the lower body issues because of how big he might be if he's not taking care of his body and of course mm-hmm. he has something happened to his neck so i'm just thinking like maybe he's a guy that just doesn't want the attention from the training staff it just seems like maybe he is that kind of guy but who knows if that's the story or not but he might but zion of course has like i think 100 pounds on him so zion yeah. i think is in a worse spot than what luke is in it but it can be a little bit frightening because we also talked about how us as suns fans we talk all the time about how what's da's ceiling how far can he push himself to be and how great can he be and you know the Dallas fans are just thinking, well, if Luca takes care of himself, if he actually gets in shape, how good can this guy be? So yeah. I, I think it's worse having the latter. Uh, so he's going to have some issues probably his whole career. He's already had his ankle and heel injuries and all that. Calf injuries, shoulder Everything, injuries. Yeah. And I hate leading off the show with some Luca slander, but I mean, that's what happens. This is our only shot to do it this year because, again, we've already played the Mavs twice this season. As I mentioned before, we've beat them the last nine times we've played them. But this is the first time we've, we've seen Luca this year, and it's most likely the only time we'll see him. If we get him in the playoffs, sweet. Because this is definitely a team I'd like to play in the in the playoffs. But it just reminded my, you know, seeing him play reminded me of of all the reasons why I'm glad he's not a member of the Phoenix Suns. And that, he, you know, it's it's some of the things that we talked about in per, in personal conversations prior to the podcast while watching it tonight was kind of that. Yeah. Th- think about who this guy's life is. You know, he, he's coming from uh, a well to do you know, family in Slovenia. He's playing as a basketball player. He's a young phenom. He comes to America. And all of a sudden you get McDonald's for the first time and he's enjoying it, you know, and it's two seasons in a row where he's trying to play himself into shape throughout the season. And I think just his style of play, although it's good for generating statistics, isn't necessarily a winning style. You know, we'd mentioned on the previous pod and coming into this game, how he was shooting 29% from beyond the arc, uh, but he was shooting like seven or eight threes a game. I think it was 7.9 threes a game is what he shoots. You know, you look at tonight, he had nine three point attempts as per usual. He made, two of them. So he's right in line with what he does. And I like playing against those kind of players. I like playing against those players who are overly confident, but don't necessarily deliver. They're the Russell Westbrooks of the league. They have great talent. Luca is definitely a talented basketball player. There's no doubt about it, but the team that's currently around him just doesn't make sense. And there, and don't get me wrong. There are definitely uh, instances in which, they were clicking tonight. I mean, that's why the Suns had to fight in this game to come back. But you notice that once everything's not going their way, the body language of Luke, and I know you're the body language expert, the body language of Luke just goes south. Uh, coach Evan B the, from the He's on Fire podcast is, is watching along live right now. Thank you, Coach. And he goes, did you notice that when Luca was celebrating, <laughs> he was fine, but when he's losing, his neck starts to hurt. No, and that's yeah, kind of, yeah. It's just kind of he's he's the injured kid on the on the playground, right? Yeah, and he's very dramatic. I mean, every three he throws up there is basically when you're at SeaWorld and the Shamu is about to come out of the water. It's basically just that reaction from the fans, like oh, and if oh. it comes out, and if he actually makes the three, it's like the loudest noise you ever heard in an arena. So yeah, the two that he didn't make, it's not enough. And this team, it's they know. I feel like after this game. Of course, they just don't have enough. I mean, you're playing a Suns team without DeAndre, and they did really good in the paint yes. against McGee. They did the best that they could against this like this team that you know went to the championship last year. They they don't have their one of their best players on the team currently, and it's just not enough. So they know going to trade deadlines, like you know something's going to happen because to go up against. I mean, they went on a good run and stuff, but you know you have to do a lot more against the Suns team, and it just wasn't enough tonight, obviously. Yeah, and you know you got to credit the Suns, and that's what it comes down to. This team is a good team. The Dallas Mavericks are a team that, coming into this game, they were fighting for their fifth consecutive win, just like the Suns were. They're a team that's won, I believe, eight out of the last nine. So this isn't a horrible team. They're learning how to click together because they're currently healthy. 
but they need to understand how to how to play in the clutch time. And that's something that obviously the Phoenix Suns have perfected. You know, speaking of the clutch, obviously, uh, that's what won this game for the Phoenix Suns in the fourth quarter as they entered being down eight. They outscored the Dallas Mavericks 35 points to 19 points. And I believe they said on the broadcast tonight, which we'll talk about a little bit later because, you know, I love to bitch about bot. Bro- uh, I have broadcast. a comment, too. Yeah, yeah. it's not negative. Oh, good. It's pretty funny. Okay, comment. okay <laughs> good. Uh, but in the last six minutes, I believe the Suns outscored the Dallas Mavericks 22 to six. And, you know, again, it's just that that clutch time Phoenix Suns basketball that we've grown so accustomed to. You look at how they've performed entering this game, and this is going to be another game that you can add to the to the total. But entering this game, they've had 17 clutch time games. They're 14 and three in those clutch time games, which is the best in the NBA. The Wizards are number two at 18 and six. So the Suns have won 82.4%. The Washington Wizards have won 75%. So there's 7.4 percentage points ahead of the number two team when it comes to that. They're shooting 58.9% in the clutch, which is uh, 7% better than the Clippers. Uh, When you look at threes, they're shooting 40%. When you're looking at free throws, uh, they're shooting some. uh, Let's see. They're way down there. Let me. They're 25th. They're shooting 71%. Wow, that's actually kind of shocking. And they take the third most free throw attempts in the league, though. So although they're sh- they're making 71% of their free throws, uh, they have a high volume of it. So therefore, it's putting points on the board. And last but not least, of course, the plus minus. They're the best in the league when it comes to plus minus in the clutch. And they did that. They're just going to add to those statistics tonight. You know, we, we've seen it so many times. I find I kind of feel dumb asking you this because I it's kind of a... Uh, it's kind of a, a, a repeating question. It's like a broken record almost. But what are you seeing in the clutch time that's making this team just so damn successful? You know what it reminds me is when it, it can be any kind of action movie where the, the good guy goes up against the bad guy and the good guy's winning a course. And then, of course, the bad guy has all his backups come up over the mountain or through the door to help defend. And like he, they take out the good guy. That comparison is just basically going against the Suns where – this fourth quarter, even in the third quarter, when they're poking the ball away and they're grabbing the steals, they're having the fast breaks going. It's just like you think you have them down, and then all of a sudden, there's just all these random things just come out of nowhere. Like Tim Tompkins actually put in the chat, the last rebound by Bridges was huge. Yes. And the rebound I think he's talking about basically is the one where he's just under the basket and he's just in the right place at the right time. Like these Suns players are just always in the right spot at the right time. They come out to help in the most random places. It's just, it's so weird. It's like, they just know exactly what to do. It's like they rehearse exactly how the end of the game is going to go. You know, Russell Wilson would talk about like, even though he hasn't won anything in a while, but it's just like, he was on the Bill Simmons podcast and he talked about how he would just manifest the games and he'd be like, you know what? I think it's going to go this way and it goes that way, but he hasn't won anything in a long time, but that's what it looks like for the Suns. It looks like that. They just know exactly what's going to happen. And the other team's going to do where the shot's going to miss, where it's going to bounce off of the rim, where like the guys going to go, if he's going to, if they're going to do the pick and roll, if they're going to actually pass it to the guy, like running off the pick, like, they are always in the right spot at the right time. And it's it's something that you can't really explain. For me, obviously, I'm having a hard time right now explaining what the hell they're doing at the end of the games. But I just know when they turn it on, they're just absolutely unstoppable. It's something that, you know, we talked about last game. You can get up and you can just start folding your laundry. You can get ready for the podcast because you know they have it in hand. And I've never experienced this with any team I've ever rooted for ever. Isn't that crazy? are so comfortable with this team to finish out the game, especially in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, I think you, that's a good comparison. It's almost like Avengers Endgame, right? Like it's the final scene. You got Thanos is there, and all of a sudden, everybody who was there you go. who's, who's yeah. coming back is coming through yes. the circles, you know. And it was like Avengers. Yeah, yeah, you that know? was or, better. Yeah. Well, that's what <laughs> I you're was talking just, about. Yeah, yeah, you're, exactly. you're like they're coming yep. over the hills, like they're coming through the circles, you know. But <laughs> what makes this team so? And and Devin Booker said it in his post game interview with TNT. He said, you know, because they asked, they're like, what makes you guys so clutch? He's like, the experience. He's like, we went through through the playoffs last year. We learned how to play this way. And now they're starting to perfect it. And you see it so many times. Like I I was watching it tonight is you have Chris Paul is bringing the ball up. He's doing his thing. He's taking his time. And once he goes over, you know, the timeline, all of a sudden he gets bum rushed by two players. Well, guess what he does? He passes it to Devin Booker. And now the defense is at an advantage or I'm sorry, a disadvantage because Devin Booker can take it to the rim or Devin Booker can 
you know, uh, uh, he'll he'll draw a double team in turn, and now they're really behind, and then it just kind of goes around. I mean, Mikhail Bridges made a huge shot where that occurred. They got to Mikhail Bridges, and he just cut right to the to the uh, interior of the lane and just flipped one in. You know, and that made it like I believe one hundred four to ninety nine. So it was like the way because you have two clutch guards, you can't defend this team straight up. You have to try to double team, but if if you do that, they're going to cut you. So the experience that this team has in the clutch over these past two seasons with the maestro Dev, or uh, Chris Paul orchestrating it, with Devin Booker, who's had to carry a franchise on his back for the first five years of his career, you know, he's had those shots in his in his bag over and over again where double teams were being thrown to him, and he threw it over to T.J. Warren, and T.J. Warren wasn't even looking like he's A.J. Green in the back <laughs> of the end zone as the time's about to yeah. expire against the Packers. I mean, this team is so experienced, and then you just put those other pieces around and, it, and and you're right. It's so nice to have an NBA team that does this at the end of the game, not the beginning of the game. Because we've seen, you know, the Suns mm-hmm. do it for a decade. They were a great first quarter team, but you look at who they are in the fourth quarter. And they're they're what what they say on the broadcast: the second most points in the fourth quarter. The it's second, like second most, third, second, yeah, like everything is all of it. it is top tier. Uh, Parker Hines, one of our elite jamsters, and reminder: if anyone's watching long live on YouTube, you can click that join button below and become an elite jamster. Uh, he says that Booker block was clutch, and that's gonna. I'm gonna talk about that for a little bit. I'm gonna talk about Devin Booker, then I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, the broadcast tonight. But you know, again, Devin Booker, the way he played, especially on that play uh, in the clutch overall throughout the game. I mean, he he earned his moniker. Big Dick Booker. And that was a big dick Booker kind of play, wasn't it? You know, he goes up, uh, he throws the block down, and, mm-hmm. and and just rises to the occasion. And it was a beautifully clean block. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, on replay, it was absolutely. It was, I think it was an offensive foul too, right? Did they call it offensive foul? Yeah. Or no, so because I kind, of, I kind of think they skipped over that, but I didn't, yeah. Well, because so, Reggie Miller was too busy telling us how it was on Devin Booker. <laughs> I know. I'm like, are, are you seriously going to keep saying that? He fouled his other arm. What was yeah. he even talking? He was like, he went after his other arm. Uh, Booker, he has these plays in these big games where whether it's a dunk, a block, a great defensive play, he's getting a lot of defensive credit from not only us, the Jamsters, around the league. Like people can see like how he's really stepping up. And it's like one of those things that where you just, you have to do that to really improve your game because you're already so good on the offensive end. You know what you're doing? Your three point percentage is going up this year. It's taken a little bit away from his two point percentage, but I don't really care about that obviously. But um, the way he's playing defensively is something that's really standing out. And he makes these big plays at end of games where I feel like in the past, maybe he's more of a panic guy on defense and he would always make a, kind of a crappy play on the offensive end where he would just maybe turn the ball over or something in the past, but he's, he's so crisp now on both plays. And just like the whole team where you don't have to worry about them messing up a lead or giving up a lead at the end of the games, you don't have to worry about Booker making a boneheaded play. Like he is just on that level now where these, these plays like this play should be the play on sports center, not the Luka yes. Doncic halftime three point shot. Like that should be the play of the game right there because it was. It was it absolutely. Was. It's like this team's already taken over, and you had that play. It's like okay, that's the game. That's sealed the game right there. Because after that, there's no way the Mavs will come back from that. So he steps up in so many different ways now. So brilliant, man. He got up too. You don't see Book get up like yeah, that. Yeah, he got up, man. No, that's that's a good observation. And again, you know, he ends the night 28 points on 11 of 25 shooting. Uh, it was the three point shooting that kind of was his Achilles heel tonight. He was one for eight from deep. Uh, but he also added six assists and five rebounds to his stat line. Uh, but again, you know, it's the way that he has has locked in on defense and has focused on the defensive end that's allowed him to kind of become this complete player, you know, kind of to the point. I mean, Rudy Gobert made the comment the other day about how he's really a big fan of the Phoenix teams like the Phoenix Suns and players like Devin Booker, which he's specifically called out because they care on defense. Now, obviously, jazz people you know, lost their shit. They're like, is this a backhanded comment about the way that Donovan Mitchell plays defense, you know, yada, yada, yada. Or is it just that Rudy Gobert recognizes what a complete team is and what Devin Booker has done focusing on the defensive end and doing what he can to be a complete player to assist his team because he can now, because he doesn't have to carry the team, you know, for his 36 minutes played. And when the end of the game comes, everybody's bum rushing him and he's still the only guy who can actually score points because you don't trust anybody. Now he can, take those risks, take those, those chances on the defensive end. And that's what he did tonight. It was huge. Uh, he made some big baskets. He was part of that 
that comeback for the Phoenix Suns. And again, he's an amazing clutch player. You look at his statistics entering this game, he's shooting 62.5% from the field in clutch time moments and 45.5% from deep in clutch time moments entering this game. So another player who is just bonkers when it comes to the clutch. Here's one thing that I wish was easier to track. And if anybody who's listening to this show tomorrow can DM the show at Suns Jam on Twitter, or if you're watching along live right now and you know the answer to this, please let us know in the chat. Or if you're watching later, like write it in the comments. What is the best place to try to track technical fouls? Because it's not something like if you go to basketball reference, you can't find a technical foul statistic line and you can't do splits and make it sortable. Because And the reason I ask this is I feel like every time Devin Booker plays the Dallas Mavericks, he gets a T. It happened in the second quarter tonight. There was a play where he felt he was fouled. He came back on defense. He fouled Luka Doncic. He, he got his, you know, uh, quick two or three, you know, cuss words into the ref. They teed him up. Yeah. And I turned yeah. to you and I asked you that question. It's like, is it just me, Matthew, or does it feel like every time he plays Dallas, due to the emotion of the game and a rivalry that's obviously been one-sided over the past three seasons, they haven't beat us since, what, November of 2019, because of the emotion of the competition against this team, it riles Devin Booker up and it, and it gets him pissed off. Am I the only one that sees it? He always gets teased against the, the Mavericks. No, you do see it. Um, I do notice it, but it's funny how you did call it before it did happen. Like a yeah. second before, you're like, this is a technical. You must like, have had your go. phone down your lap, and we were a little delayed over there. But that's the way Booker is. And in a game like this, you would think like, oh, we can't, even the Cameron Payne technical, you're like, we can't, we can't afford that. But then I still don't care as much because I think what Devin Booker does when he goes up against uh, Luka Doncic, I think just the emotion from Doncic gets underneath his skin. I don't know if it's anything to do with just how Doncic is praised as a good player. Maybe he knows he's a lazy player. and she, You know what I mean? He doesn't try as hard as what Booker has to put in, all the work that he has to put in. And he wants to prove himself to be better. I mean, obviously, we, we think Booker's a better player than Luka. But I just think that, that he can get under his skin. I think... Maybe he thinks too, like if Luca gets favored more with the refs, if he gets more calls, because that's the way it was last year, right? Luca would get to line every single All time. This year's time. dropped off, of course, because you can be more physical, but Booker still needs recognition. There were plays leading up to that where he did get fouled, so I can see the frustration. But those technicals, if you want to track them, you have to track them too now because they're calling everything. What If you point at somebody, if you yell at somebody, they're going to call technical. So I want the technicals and I want the reason for and a percentage off of Twitter of voting yes or no, if it should have been a technical, because a lot of them are very questionable. They don't let the players do anything. They don't let them have any fun, no aggression at all. And I guess it kind of stops them from fighting each other. I don't, who cares? They're not going to really fight each other. And no. it's something that Booker, if you're talking about an emotional player, that is Devin Booker. And, but he's, he's been easier He's been like kind of at ease a little bit the last two years, so it's not as bad. But you can see when it's leading up to it, man. Instantly. No, for for sure. And I think you bring up a a, a valid point. I didn't even think that you know it's a lot of the Luca uh, influence that leads to those technical fouls because you know one of the things I noted uh, in my notes was the fact that the Dallas Mavericks, especially in the second quarter, were playing a lot of isolation back down basketball. And a lot of it was with Luka Doncic. That's a physical brand of basketball. And when Luka didn't have Mikael, and he was even tried on Mikael Bridges, but due to Mikael Bridges' length, he wasn't being nearly successful. But when he had Devin Booker yeah. on him, he would back him down, back him down, back him down, uh, and just create that physicality, which obviously is going to set Devin Booker off. And that does happen every time we play against the Dallas Mavericks is there's instances throughout the game in which Luca, because of his size, I mean, he's a, like we mentioned kind of at the, the top of the broadcast, he's a big dude. He's six foot seven. He's, you know, according to basketball reference, 230 pounds. I don't know if I necessarily believe that, you know, but he's, <laughs> he has a physical presence that he can utilize to benefit him. And it's one of the ways that he knows in the middle of a game, like a running back in football, he's like, I'm going to physically wear you down. And he was doing that to Devin Booker to the point where it got Devin Booker pissed off. And it ultimately led to a technical foul. Uh, Hitman X notes in the, in the live chat, he says, nah, ask Luca. He was amongst the top in the league last year with technical fouls. And that's a hundred percent true. You know, he's, he's always been kind of a, a WB, if you will, that's a whiny bitch. Uh, and I think that this year 
it's <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the only reason we don't see enough highlights yeah. of it is because he hasn't played <laughs> in nearly as, as many games. You know, they've played, I think, 44 <laughs> games. He's played in about 30. Uh, but you're also right when it comes to his free throws. You know, this is going to be he, 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 Luca is one of the guys who um, really has relied on the ticky tack fouls. And you look at the fact that he's averaging 6.2 free throws a game, that's the lowest in his career. I mean, in his second year, he was averaging 9.2 free throws a game. It's down three attempts a game. And that just goes to show you the physicality of the game is a little bit more uh, acceptable now. And you're not going to necessarily get the calls. And he's a, another one of those players uh, who has to adjust to it, right? Yeah, but I mean, he deals with it in his own way. And honestly, what, what Luca does... It seems like every time we do play him, though, he's not going to ever get a technical. But then if you actually do look up the stats, it's like, oh, yeah, he does. It's one of those things. It's like, wait, does he? Because I feel like he just complains. That's all yeah. That's all we see. It's kind of like a Spurs player, right? Just always complaining all the time, dude. <laughs> the, the the Tim Duncan looking with his eyes wide open that whole nine. Uh, Crazy Luigi yeah. recognizes in the chat. He goes, fun fact, Luca had more turnovers than the entire Suns team. What, he had nine? Today. He had nine, yeah. right? He had eight, eight, eight okay. turnovers. The Phoenix Suns had seven. Ah, so, Chris so Paul you, had zero. Yes, Chris Jeez. Paul. Uh, well, let's, you know what? Let's let's get a, give good old Chris Paul his drop. The point I can smell the church coming oh. out of that. Like seriously, <laughs> the horror around me is just like peace and oh, oh man, serenity now, serenity good, now, man. But yeah, Chris Paul, 20 points, 11 assists, zero turnovers on 8 of 14 shooting. Uh, he once again did Chris Paul things, you know, especially when it comes to navigating those clutch time moments. That's that's where he lives. That's where he cooks. Uh, you know, he'll he'll pick up the team where he needs to kind of throughout the game. But he knows that, hey, if it's the fourth quarter, this is going to be Chris Paul time. And you look at the way that he navigated that fourth quarter. Of his 20 points, 10 of them occurred in the fourth, he played the entire period, all 12 minutes, went four for six from the field, including two or four from three uh, with that one three that kind of ended everything, I feel like, for the for the Dallas Mavericks tonight. You know, and again, he had 11 assists, only one in the fourth quarter. So this was kind of a different Chris Paul tonight. This was a Chris Paul who's like, listen, I'm going to set everybody up all game long, and then I'm going to take over offensively in the fourth, whereas at different times this season, we've seen him navigate you know scoring and then in the last five minutes due to what the defense is giving him he turns into the assist machine now obviously that one assist was a great pass to bismack biombo but you know again the point god cooking in the fourth quarter uh offensively tonight matthew yeah and he had a layup too tonight which was awesome you love to see that you don't you, yeah. you do want him to be really careful though around the rim you don't want him to get too crazy over there even though it probably was a foul um but he so yeah, you're talking about how he usually dishes it out in the last five minutes. So find his find his guys usually just set him up perfectly. Um, tonight wasn't really the case, but it, it's weird because he does switch back and forth. And whenever everyone, or even me, whenever we talk about you know him taking over, I think of his mid range. I think of his shots. Um, tonight when he's shooting the three, one was in and out, so he could have been like three for six, mm -hmm. but you just think of him being aggressive that way. And then this season was we're going through the injuries when Booker wasn't playing, when Aiden was out just numerous times, him setting up just these guys too, that he's just now really getting time on the court with like, it's more of the same core of course from last year, but still Biombo, uh, whoever else we freaking added. I can't go through the names right now, but <laughs> those other guys, you know, when he's on the court with, he can still find him. He can still set him up. He seems so comfortable with them. Like that's such a unique thing where you don't see anybody. And of course he's been in the league for forever, but you can't, you don't really see that ever. You don't see these guys being that comfortable, really set them up. So you're, you're comfortable with both of them, with both kind of Chris Paul's, the guy that wants to be aggressive and score. Like mm -hmm. seriously, like if he's taking that three, I'm like, Oh, that's going down. He's taking the three and Porzingis's face, any big guy that's going down. Like you really believe it. And anytime he's playing the pick and roll, you think he's going to find the, the right guy at the right time. Like, there's just so many things with this team, and especially Chris Paul, you just can trust in the last five minutes. It's, it's freaking insane, dude. Well, and again, that's why he is the point god. He's a dying breed. 
Think of how many other point guards in the league can navigate cerebrally the way that he does. He knows how to, as you mentioned, if he needs to set up guys throughout the game to get them cooking to gain the, to help with their confidence, that's what he's going to do. You know, if he's got a ten day contract guy cutting to the rim, he's like, if I get him a quality pass and make you know get him two points, he might get me four points total a little bit later, and that's what I need to win. And again, if I need to be the guy because the defense is going to cover Devin Booker like crazy, okay, I'm going to be the guy who's going to have the open shots, so I'm going to take them. And I, you know, that that's the value of having somebody who's like that because you you can't tell who else in the league does that. Go, who are the top point guards in the league? You know, John Morant, John Morant, Trey Young. Um, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of point guards. There's a ton of really really good point guards, but not no one who navigates the way. <clears throat> that Chris Paul does. And that just comes from experience. That's what makes him great. I think that this is a a very interesting question. I'm glad that Ted Lubin asked this in the chat. He goes, and I was thinking about this the other day. Do you think CP three will go into the hall of fame as a Phoenix sun, Matthew? Oh, that is tough. Um, Well, after his last series in uh, against the Clippers, I mean, he did own that place Mm -hmm. and he, he beat them as a son. So that's the lasting memory there. If he wins a championship with with the Suns, if that were to happen, I would think so. Yes, absolutely. Um, and he would also be like, it would be hard to even go past this guy, Steve Nash. Steve but Nash. He would be. He's already kind of just my favorite point guard of all time with the Suns. I love Steve Nash, but I trust this guy more than anybody, and only for the reason that he sets people up so well, and he can play defense. He can get you know things going on the defensive end that leads the offense. So. I think he would. I mean, what do you think, man? That's that's it's a right tough now. question because obviously there's that caveat. If he wins a championship with Phoenix, it's almost an automatic yes, in my opinion. But you look at the totality of his career and you think of the different phases of Chris Paul and obviously him starting in New Orleans as a member of the Hornets, kind of being the face of that franchise when they first moved there. And then obviously yeah. spent as much time as he did as a member of the Los Angeles Clippers and revitalizing a franchise that had never had any success. I never won a playoff series, if I remember correctly, before he showed up, you know. And then he goes to Houston. He goes to OKC. Doesn't have much success there. But we're the only team that he's actually been to an NBA Finals with. So even if we don't Mm -hmm. go to another NBA Finals, if we don't win a championship, it's still a valid question of who would he actually retire as. I don't know if it necessarily matters the same way as it does in like, you know, in like football or baseball. It's like you go in and, and your bust or whatever has like, you know, the team or whatever. I don't know if that's how it works in basketball, but I think that I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I'm not really I, into the basketball hall of fame. You know what I mean? Cause there's so many people that get yeah, in. Yeah. So many people. Yeah. It's so easy so to get really in. Watch. You know, I, I think you were nominated last year, actually, you know, I was. Uh, yeah. 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 It was the last good. pot I did by myself. Yeah. yeah. It was a good quality when you, pod. <laughs> when you dropped off the pot, I had to scramble for five minutes. That was Dude, your own version. That was my jam- highlight. <laughs> <laughs> that was your own, your own version of a jam session short, <laughs> AKA a jort. So, but it's a good question. You know, I think that obviously the success that he's had with this team and continues to have with this team will dictate, where his heart kind of lies uh, when it comes to that actual time to be in, uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Biz. All right, Biz Mac Biombo. Okay, now not the best statistical game for him tonight. You see that he played 28 minutes. Uh, he had nine points, five of those coming from the free throw line. He was five for seven from the free throw line, had four rebounds, had two steals, had an assist. But the reason I wanted to talk about Bismack Biombo is I found it interesting that he played the entire fourth quarter. I think he played 11 minutes and 53 seconds, if I remember correctly. Uh, 1134, I'm sorry. Is it interesting that the Suns aren't closing with JaVale McGee? JaVale gets the start. Uh, JaVale McGee plays, um, how many total minutes did he get in this game? Only 17 minutes. Uh, he only, he had three personal fouls, but you kind of see this with Deandre eight. Now it feels like JaVale kind of starts and Bismack kind of closes. Have you noticed that? And if so, why do you think that is? Um, all right. So I think it's whoever they want to roll with because of how hot they're playing. I think the way Bismack's been playing, he has like the energy to finish games. I think the way McGee is right now. Of course, these small stints and stuff that he's been playing earlier in the year when DeAndre's there, 
like he he goes off. He sets the energy for the Suns, and it's something that you can't really match coming off the bench. I think Bismack, since they brought him in here, he's kind of like the new McGee in a way. I mean, McGee's still playing great. I think tonight he struggled, of course. He mm-hmm. couldn't really get any uh, rebounds when on the offensive end. Kind of like he he was getting boxed out really well. The Mavericks are doing a really good job with him. So I think the energy really that Bismack has is something you just got to roll with because I think it's just newer and fresher right now. When DeAndre did come back, Bismack was kind of absent. Like he didn't get much minutes. He wasn't really doing too much. But he's a guy that will have the energy and then he'll give you a big dunk in the end, right? Mm-hmm. He'll give you that big lay-in for the and one. Like even that big dunk that he, <laughs> you know, he got under the rim. It's like there's always those guys for the Suns that – They'll just have those huge dunks, huge plays at the end of the game. It's like the guy that just we just signed, the guy that was nobody last year, and we picked him up. They're yep. just always making these big plays for the Suns at the end of the games, and I just think you just got to roll with them right now. And we got a lot of great feedback from the Jamsters in the chat. You have Jay Schneck, one of our elite Jamsters. He goes, McGee pick-and-roll defense is awful. Uh, zero. we are not closing with McGee because his defense is trash. Fabio thinks that Monty finishes with whoever's playing better. Uh, uh, Jay also adds, he goes, he doesn't show on defense. He stands under the basket. You know, that him being JaVale, uh, C bucks to bar says JaVale stops rhythm with fouls. I think that's a very valid point. You know, he is a foul heavy kind of guy, uh, kind of to everybody else's point of view on his lack of defensive capability, especially in those clutch time minutes. The last thing you want to do is give up fouls. The last, what you want to do is either create the fouls or have your own offensive rhythm. And if you create that choppiness, it becomes a free throw shooting game now, which isn't the worst thing because the Suns are a good team when it comes to free throw shooting. But again, you like to have that rhythm. Uh, Kota Kid, another elite jamster. Biombo's been a better closer from what he sees. Suns and four says hustle plays for Biombo turning on our D and crazy Luigi says, I think it was, a part due to Bismack being more willing to do dirty work and things on defense. And I think that's what it comes down to, you know, yeah, with, that's perfect. With, yeah. With Deandre Ayton being out, you know, you don't, you're not going to see, I mean, the Phoenix Suns to begin with in their system, in the, in their scheme and the way that they play it seen as it is not a center centric offensive team. They don't need that offensive force in there to feed the ball through. Okay. This isn't Shaq in 2000 where everything runs through Shaq and then you start the triangle offense. Everything starts with the guards and, and the, again, they take the defenders out of position by the way that their guard play is. And then it sets up other people. Uh, what we need from that five is somebody who can play defense, which is something that when DeAndre Ayton is playing, he does very, very well. So I think that Bismack Biombo because of his defensive affinity is getting more of those clutch time minutes is getting those fourth quarter minutes from JaVale because Monty knows that he can count on him to play the defensive side and make up for Deandre Ayton in that aspect. Cause you know, you mentioned it, you know, yeah, he, he wasn't the best on D tonight uh, and he being JaVale, but he was three for five from the field. He had four rebounds. He had eight points. So he's kind of taken over the Deandre Ayton offensive role and Biombo's taken over the off Deandre Ayton defensive role. Now, obviously when we get Deandre Ayton back, then those guys kind of settle back into their normal role roles. And again, the depth is just, you know, compounds itself. Yeah, and also Sunset Four does say that Biombo is uh, more consistent. JaVale is more of a momentum player. True, that's true. And honestly, you can kind of tell from the get go. Even when McGee's in the game, if he's a little hesitant, he kind of backs off a little bit on defense or even trying to get rebounds. You can just tell it's not there tonight. And I think that's okay with a player like him because it's like if you get a good game from him, like that's perfect. If it's in a mediocre game, that's still pretty perfect, especially with the bigs we have on this team right now. Um, when when Aiden's there, um, it just they kind of. They're, they're a good mix. They're good. They pick each other up. That's what these bigs do. It's weird to say, but that's what they do, right? It's weird to have bigs on the Suns that can really even each other out and like pick up the slack when the other one's slacking off. <laughs> well, and again, that's the depth of this team, and that is what has made them so successful this year to the clip of 35 and 9. And as JJ Reddick said the other day, it's like what you know, because they're going around whatever talk show he was on, and they're talking about all these great things, and everyone's talking about where well, the Lakers are they lost, the Nets, they've lost Kevin Durant. You know, what's gonna happen? And like JJ, what do you think? He's like, I think the Suns are fucking amazing. You know, they <laughs> they've had 23 yeah. games with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton playing together. That's it. And there were 34 and nine at that point. Never complain either. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They just put their head down and get the job done. So again, I think that this was just another example of that, uh, that we saw this evening in Dallas, you know, so two of the hottest teams meet, and then you have 
the Phoenix Suns come and, and do what they did. Uh, and another guy who I saw play well and, you know, wasn't, wasn't his best performance, I feel, but he still threw in 12 points. That was Cameron Payne in the 19 minutes mm-hmm. that he played. He went four for 10 from the field. He was one of four from three, uh, three for three from the free throw line, had three rebounds, zero assists, but did have a steal. And it's funny because I just written the piece uh, on brightsideofthesun.com. So if you're a reader, please head over to brightsideofthesun.com uh, and see and read that. Uh, and that's what my jam session short was about yesterday. I was talking about how Cameron Payne's turned the corners in his last 11 games, how he, you're really starting to see his his aggressiveness pay off in actual points and productivity and assists and less turnovers. And you saw that again tonight. Of course, as you and I were sitting watching the game together, I swear that like he missed three in a row. I'm like, of course he's missing three in a row, Matthew, <laughs> because I wrote something nice about it, you know, but again, you saw tonight, he got that technical foul, which I feel was kind of, you know, funny. Uh, but you know, what'd you see from campaign tonight? Yeah, it was a little bit of everything. It was a little bit of the three uh, three shots missed and me looking like, hey, did you jinx him? I'm like, I'm going to say that on the pod. He missed three shots in a row because he wrote that thing and you talked about <laughs> him for 10 minutes. Um, it was seven. Yeah, seven minutes. <laughs> Camera Payne, like, he is, he's quick. He needs his speed back and all all that sort of stuff. But the way he, his floaters are now, I feel like he's really trying to perfect those around the rim. He had a few weirder angles that he tried to release tonight. I don't know if he's just trying to get those a go or just wherever the defenders are playing him. He has to kind of reach around and let those go in certain areas on the court that are just not normal to him. So those ones he missed, but the ones that are just perfectly open, he can nail those. Um I think he did a better job tonight. The aggression was there, of course, in the technical, and he did. I, I, I was gonna ask you if that technical was warranted. I think it kind of was because he did yell right in his face. Yeah, it was the yelling. You don't see in the that a lot. Thing. He normally yells, fight. but he just happened to do it right in somebody's face this time. Yeah, yeah, and then he knocks down the three though, like right after that too, yes. just to be like, yeah, what's up? Like that's the thing that he needs to always continue to do, and that's something that we always loved about him, how consistent he was to back up good plays by good plays by good plays. Right? He would. He get the end one, then he goes down, he hits a three the next the next time down. That's the camera pain. That's the camera pain we like, and we just need it to be consistent. And it doesn't have to be a whole lot. It just needs to be things that's like it doesn't it doesn't mean that he has to make every freaking shot going down the court. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. like, it has to be good play after good play after good play. No boneheaded plays, exactly, no rush shots, no bad passes, and you got your campaign that we had last year. No, I, I completely agree, and I think that's nice to see him back, and I think that was the hamstring injury that probably negated some of his effectiveness. So uh, seeing a lot of love for the boss man, Jay Crowder, his effort tonight, three for six from yeah. deep, four from nine overall, 13 points, two steals, uh, three rebounds. Um, of course, he had three rebounds because I bet on his over when it comes to rebounds, so thanks for that. Uh, but again, you know, it's it's great to see the, the guy who doesn't get a lot of love all the time, you know, People only knock Jay when he doesn't play uh, well, but when he does play well, it's just kind of expected. Uh, it was a fantastic effort from him tonight, especially considering he was, he spent a lot of time on Kristaps uh, Porzingis, you know, and Maxi Kleber. I mean, they have this is a big lineup they threw it at the Suns. They tried to beat the Suns with size, uh, even though you know Kristaps he might be seven two, but you know he's a, he's as skinny as a lamppost. Uh, but Jay Crowder holds his own and he plays just physical enough to annoy these guys into you know not having their best night yeah we talked about um are you gonna do a drop right there are you no i don't have a, i don't have a jay crowder drop. oh okay my bad it's the next one probably right it has to be um so yeah with Aiden missing uh we talked about last pod how you know how who's gonna help out with luca kind of an in interior i mean if luca puts down the candy bar he can get around <laughs> i think mikhail bridges or even he's having the mismatches with booker and chris paul too in the game but you just wanted to see who can help him out who can help out Mikael Bridges. It was, I think Jay did his best. He had a man up against him. Luca's a big dude. I mean, he's hard to defend. And of course the other big bodies they have down there, he has to do his best. Um, but he's just, he hit the big threes when we needed him. Like anytime there would be a run from the Mavericks, he would come back, hit a big three, yes. cut it back down to three, cut it back down to four. Didn't let them get too far ahead. And you know, if he's not helping out on the boards and he's hitting those big threes, like this is, just a perfect game from him the 13 points you never want too much from him because you don't need that much from him but he was knocking down those big threes dude that's just a brilliant game just like Cameron Payne you know if Cameron Payne's just making those good plays one after the other that's let's you do that's what you need from Jay and it wasn't too much tonight but I mean it was just enough it was still with no Aiden I really was surprised of how well he played defensively tonight and that's what you needed uh, against a team like the Mavericks. So, lights, Cameron, action.
It wasn't the best performance by Cam Johnson. You know, two for seven from the field, seven points overall, a steal, an assist. Did have seven rebounds coming off the bench. But how about that two-hand jam, man? I got to bring that up. That two-handed jam he had, was uh, that was beautiful, man. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Correct. It's just... I don't know, he, does he have like the best dunks on the Suns? Like I, I know he had the one over, um, you know, of course. What, God damn, the PJ Bucks. The, yeah, PJ Tucker, the one yeah. over PJ Tucker, of course. But is he just like the best dunker on the Suns because they're just so aggressive? Is it because he's such a big dude and when he can jump up and get it down, like he can jump pretty far away from the basket and throw it down from pretty far like is it just unexpected is that why it's i think so that's impressive? what it is one one it is a he has a physical dunking style due to his size uh but two you're right it's just unexpected because he's just kind of you know just kind of unassuming cam johnson out there looking like a bat and next thing you know he's flying through the air like a bat and throwing it down on the opposition mm-hmm. you're like oh whoa where did that come from so <laughs> you know I, I i really i really feel like you know again it, i just i had to bring it up real quick before we get into our next segment <laughs> Jam star of the game. Jamsters, it's that part of the program where you let us know in the chat who your jam star of the game is. If you're listening, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you're watching along, hit that thumbs up button as well. Just a reminder time. Matthew, who are you giving the jam star of the game to in this one? I'm going to go to, uh, oh, this is actually tough because I was thinking Chris Paul, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, that Booker block really got me leaning towards Booker. I think okay. Booker is going to get it back to back from me. Um, I know it was 11 for 25. I mean, you look at that, you're like, yeah, but that's normal for Booker. Just a look on his face tonight. I think he answered the call too in the third quarter against the Mavericks. Like the way he just comes out and responds when he comes off the bench. I think in the past we would look at Booker when he comes off the bench, take a little bit, a little bit longer for him to get warmed up. Usually be cold, but it's, it just seems like the past few weeks he's just been brilliant. Where he can just stay consistently hot and consistent on the defensive end too. But tonight, just because of that block, man, I'm gonna give it to him. Okay, and it makes sense. You know, I think this was his fourth consecutive game over 25 points, uh, which is definitely not something to scoff at. You know, Devin Booker, uh, as we prepare for the All-Star game, is kind of – and this road trip. I think that that's been the most important thing is on this road trip, Devin Booker has really stepped up and said, hey, I am, you know, the – the leader of this team when it comes to scoring points, I'm the most reliable. And that's what you guys, that's what you need on the road is your best players to play the way they do. So I definitely agree with that. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to give it to CP three just because of the mention, you know, of what I mentioned, uh, how he played that fourth quarter again, leading with defense, leading offensively, doing everything that he has to do to help this team be successful. It's just, uh, it was just it was artful to watch him do that. So Jay gives it to CP3, uh, Big Dick Booker from the Big Warthog. Um, let's see, Luca eight turnover Doncic from Fabio. Um, you got Book from Scott Claus. You got uh, Crowder Jam Star due to the the three. You know the way he was shooting the three. Bismack Biombo from Will and Fiona McKay. Ready, that's quite the name there. Point God easily for me from Felix. Uh, what's the best Suns dunk this year? Ooh, what is the best Suns dunk? This year? God, it has like to be a Booker dunk, right? What didn't yeah. Booker have a big dunk? I feel like Booker had a or was big that five one. years ago? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Bismack, that's one. Or no, wait, wait, hold on. Who was it? Jalen Smith sticks his big oh, dunk. Oh, what, the Amari, no, the Amari dunk. Remember, he had I forget what team we were playing. Yeah, where he was all the way game. back and bam. Yeah, there's some good ones. Yeah, there's some good ones. The sticks, point god, yeah, uh, CP3, Devin Booker from Sonia. Bridges did the dirty work. Good point from WD40. Uh, honorable mention, honorable mention for <laughs> CP3. Biombo. Hey, man. Big dick book from from Mansour Man Pro. CP3 down the line. So, again, thank you, Jamster, for kind of letting us know in the chat who you think you're who the jam star of the game is. Um, one thing that a lot of people are bringing up, and I, I want to talk to you about this a little bit because we, we, uh, we mentioned it just a little bit. It's kind of the TNT broadcast, right? WD40 says in the chat, he goes, dude, you guys need to light up Barkley. I'm tired of his trash talking. What did he say? Well, we didn't watch the post game, but uh, what he said, WD40 said, Barkley said Utah is better. A team that's been in, you know, shambles recently. So let's start with the broadcast itself tonight, and then we'll kind of expand on Charles Barkley. What did you think of Reggie Miller and whoever the hell was calling the game with him tonight? No, it was actually, it wasn't, it was fine. There was, I don't pay attention too much. All right. But, um, there was one time where uh, Mikhail, towards the end of the game, Mikhail had a wide open layup, just no one around him, and he shot it and he bricked it. And Reggie Miller said that is the hardest shot in the game, three feet from the basket. So I was like, wait, does that 
does Ben Simmons does this help his case at all? No, why no. they shouldn't have traded him? Because that's the hardest shot in the NBA is three feet from the basket. Is that why? But um, that's all I wanted to bring up. I don't, the the Reggie, Barkley thing we'll talk about. After we'll talk done. about that in a second. But Reggie just says some dumb shit. I really think so. Again, like on the Booker block, he was just like, well, from where I'm sitting, that was clearly all Booker. Then he walks, he watches it in slow-mo and he's like, well, as you can see, you know, it, it looks like Booker created contact. Uh, and that's all he said, but you can clearly see that it's off. It's an offensive foul. And he's just sitting there. And he's just, I, again, I just, I don't know what he sees or I wonder if he just says shit without thinking before he says it. And I'm a huge Reggie Miller fan as a basketball player. I loved Reggie Miller when he played, he was a little annoying. Yes. But like, I loved it when he played, but he just says some of the dumbest shit. And I swear every time he, he broadcasts a Suns game, he is going so hard for the opposition. Now, generally, the game is against the Lakers because the majority of our games on TNT are against the Lakers. He's a UCLA guy. He's from, you know, the Southern California area. And you could tell on the broadcast. It's like between him and Mark Jackson, I don't know if they know how to talk nice about the Suns. Because even at the end of the game, they're just like, you know, here's the Suns, the best clutch team in the moment. And those Mavericks gave them everything they could. But, you know, they were just talking about how great the Mavericks had played. We beat them by eight points. We blew them out in the fourth quarter and they're telling us how great the Mavericks are. Then you compound that and you kind of bring it up on the, the TNT broadcast itself, you know, and, and Sony Lovato is, you know, I can't stand Barkley. Uh, here's my thing with Barkley. I go the exact opposite way from everybody's thinking here. If he says Utah is better, the thing about Barkley is he loves the Suns, but he doesn't want to come off by as a homer. So every time he says something against the Suns, I almost take it as the exact opposite, almost like an inside joke with Suns fans of him being like, man, they really suck. You know what I'm saying? Because he he loves this team. I mean, think about the NBA Finals last year. Remember the promos for the Finals? It was Thunder Dan and Charles Barkley getting the crowd going, you know, do, doing the, the video board when we went to game two of the Finals. You know, so he 110%, in my opinion, supports this team. And he'll say these anti-Suns things almost as kind of like a plight or or, or a – uh, or a like a motivator for the Suns, like yeah, Chuck doesn't believe in us, so I'll prove you wrong. Am I wrong in thinking that? Mm -hmm. No, no, you're totally right. But I honestly think too, my side of it is I don't think Barkley even cares about no, any of doesn't. this. He's living the best life anybody can live. He always says it's the easiest job he has. You can't take anything seriously. Like someone already put in the chat too. He jinxed us in the he jinxed the Suns in the NBA Finals. He always is he was, wrong. That, I feel, yeah, he the does past six the years, the past six years, he's been so bad at predicting anything. His uh, commentary, his analysts, analytics or analysts, whatever, being an analyst for the NBA, he's not very good at it because he doesn't really care, I don't feel like. And he'll just throw stuff out there to waste time until he can go back to his beautiful life. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, which is, which is living in Ganey Ranch. And, you know, does he live in Ganey Ranch? Yeah. Oh, that's where I work. I work right by. I'm in game. Oh yeah. So I've I've played golf at Ganey Ranch with uh, Justin from the Fanning the Flames podcast. Oh and really? Like, okay. Yeah, like his house is like on the golf course. Oh, my building's like right on the golf course. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. You'll look out every now and then. You'll probably see Justin. He should be working, but he's out there playing some golf. So, <laughs> okay. um, next segment I wanted to bring up just some kind of things that are happening in the NBA that aren't necessarily doing with the Suns, but could affect us overall. Thoughts. Brains? Well, you know, a couple things have happened since we've last talked. Uh, obviously, Kevin Durant went down. Uh, Lonzo Ball found out that he's hurt uh, and will be out for the next four to six weeks. And th those are two of the top teams in the East, right? So, who did you say first? Sorry, you were cut off. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things Dave King wrote a great article for brightsideofthesun.com uh, talking about how the Phoenix Suns not only are winning, but we're one of the top teams in the NBA when it comes to uh, games lost to injury. You know, so how do you see the things that are happening at uh, and how other teams are playing with their injuries versus how the Suns are playing with our injuries? Well, someone like Kevin Durant, of course, that's a big blow because he was like an MVP candidate for yes. the league. Um, he's the main guy there. You had the other two nuggets that are playing that they just they don't ever play. I mean, Harden does play, I guess. He's really out of shape or whatever, but he was the main vocal point for that. And then especially when you have a team that has no depth, that sucks. So the thing is the Suns have depth, and a lot of these teams that are losing players, they don't have the depth the Suns have. And the one guy that we always need in the lineup 
is going to be Chris Paul just to make everything work, of course. So we're very lucky. I don't even want to say anything because I don't want to jinx yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you look around the league, it's like these players that are going down, it happens every year. You just have to get through it. You don't whine like the Suns haven't whined. We've three of our all-star players are out numerous times this year. So you just get through it, man. And just really quick too, this whole thing with like, even like the bulls with Lonzo ball, if they're going to start losing games in the nets, start losing games. And that even helps the case for John Morant even more to win MVP this year. And you can even, what do you think though? Booker and Chris Paul, the way the Suns are playing, you think they will ever be in the MVP conversation? Chris Paul's guys are out. Chris Paul's already in the MVP conversation. And I think that as the MVP gets more diluted, like it did last year, you know, you had Joel Embiid last year who was playing out of his mind, got injured. And there was that big debate, you know, between Joel Embiid and uh, Nikolai Jokic, who should get the MVP. And, and, you know, sometimes the best ability is availability. And Chris Paul, you know, is putting up, as I've heard people have this conversation on a national level, they always bring up the Steve Nash 2000. And I think it five year, where he didn't have the best statistics, but he led the team, he led the league, uh, or he led the, the league's best team um, to the best record, you know, and, and so there, there's some value in that. And I think that Chris Paul, you know, when you look at holistically how he's been playing thus far this year, you know, as we mentioned throughout the broadcast, how he performs in the clutch is something that uh, is, you know, above and beyond what anybody else is doing in the league at all. If you look at statistics year this year, yeah, it's only 13.9 points a game, but he's also uh, averaging 10 assists and he's averaging, you know, almost two steals a game. And he's leading the NBA's best team to the best clutch time record and the best record overall in the league. So there's a lot of validity to saying, you know, he is, he should be mentioned as a member or in the MVP conversation. And it always comes back to the same thing. You know, there's two things when it comes to the MVP conversation. One is the narrative, which Chris Paul has the narrative going for him. Uh, but two, it's what the, whoever the voter, how the devoter, how the voter defines an MVP. Is it the most valuable player or the best player? You know, cause people will say, you know, yes, Kevin Durant is the best player, but now he's injured. You know, there's other players who are better players, but are they the most valuable players? So that's always kind of one of those interesting conversations is how you define what an MVP is. For me, it's the most valuable player. If this guy wasn't on his team, what does that team look like? You know, because again, mm-hmm. if it's the best player award, Michael Jordan should have won it for, you know, 10 years in a row, but Carl Malone won it for a few years. You know, they gave one to Elijah Wan, you know, Barkley got one, you know, uh, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't have, but I'm just saying it's, it's how you define it. What was your original question? I don't remember. I I honestly didn't remember halfway through something about talking, and I thought when I stopped you to go back to what you were talking about. So no, I forgot. (laughs) Uh, I also want to talk about trades real quick. A couple, some movement that's happened in the NBA recently. Uh, Bryn Forbes is now a member of the Denver Nuggets. Thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He just says. Brent Forbes is a Suns killer, man. When, when he just said trades, I was like, oh, there were trades? I know there was one trade earlier this week, but... Yeah, bad, Bull, Bull Bull is now uh, there, playing that's in, the one. Yeah. in Boston. So I'm sure they're loving that. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein was waived. by. What's interesting about trades, or anytime anybody's waived, is like if you're on the Facebook Suns page, just like don't go there. Because everybody instantly is like, dude, should we sign Willie Cauley-Stein? It's like, no, dude, we got like 17 centers. <laughs> We don't need Willie Cauley fucking Stein, okay? We would have maybe last year. I remember yeah, he was yeah, the name. Yeah, last year we could have used about. him. Last yeah. year we could have used him. So, <laughs> But this year, there's no way, no how. Like, every time a guy is released, you know, uh, uh, the Miami Heat a couple days ago waved guard Marcus Garrett. Should we pick him up? Should he be a member of the Suns? You know, it's like, but obviously, you're going to see a lot more names. You're going to see a lot more content relative to trades. Uh, as the trade deadline is, you know, three weeks away. It's February 10th, I believe, is when the trade deadline is. And you're going to see some teams start tweak what they are doing and 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 how they are going to approach this, who's the buyers, who's the sellers. Uh, a really good podcast to listen to is uh, the Solar Panel Podcast with Dave King. He had Eric Pincus from the Bleacher Report on, uh, I, think, I think the show was yesterday. It's a great listen because it really kind of gives you an understanding of kind of the roadmap for a lot of different teams, including the Suns and how they should operate during this upcoming trade season. Uh, obviously, you know my stance. I know your stance. We're kind of we're big on organic chemistry. It's something the Phoenix Suns have. So why mess that up? Because again, look at tonight. Tonight's a great example. Yeah. Well, you know, you bring am, you, sure. you bring in you bring in Jeremy Grant 
Uh, I don't know if all that's necessarily going to work. So, <laughs> you, you know, do you want to hear some five star reviews on Apple Podcasts? Yeah, let's hear them. Yes, have, yes, have, yes, have you read any of these? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to love some of these. All right. So we have all three right. new five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you are a podcast listener, uh, if you go to Spotify, you can just give us the five star. You just click five star. We appreciate that. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can give us five stars and you can actually write a review. And whatever you write in there, uh, as long as it's not, not illegal, unethical, or immoral, we'll go ahead and we'll read it here on the podcast. So uh, we have a five-star review from Edevil86. He says, love you guys. Best Suns podcast around. We appreciate that. Uh, from Sculpted Toast, the best Suns podcast. Grew up in Phoenix. I listen from OK immediately after every game. Uh, so he's from uh, Oklahoma. So he listens from Oklahoma immediately after every game. Uh, you two plus guests give me the complete experience after every game. I deleted the other morning zoo suns podcasts from my stream. I do enjoy the weekly timeline of the solar panel too, but you guys are definitely favorite. I appreciate your, uh, appreciate you immensely <laughs> cracking a V eight. <laughs> so thank you. Suns from sculpted toast for that. Uh, and our last five star review is from, I can't even say the name. It's like B a B D J C K D L J. It's a long one. Okay says the best Suns podcast or best the best Suns postgame podcast out there. John and his son Matthew, parentheses, who's a cutie, are great hosts and bring a lot of humor and uh, uh, analysis to the games. I never miss a pod and look forward to it every postgame. Keep it up, fellas, and the childhood tra- uh, trauma segment is hilarious. So uh, whoever said that, yeah, yeah, next time leave a number for Matthew. He'll, Matthew. <laughs> he'll, he'll give you a call. Uh, I really appreciate you, son. You're doing a great job. So. <laughs> thanks dad there you go so uh we didn't get um, a lot of time but the next game for the phoenix suns they're playing on saturday back at home against the indiana pacers uh matthew we'll see if you're gonna be on that podcast i know you got some work stuff going on so. yeah i might not be able to watch it but i'll probably jump on if you grab someone else we'll perfect see. perfect so <laughs> we always figure it out right? yeah we always figure it out we're here for you jamster so join us after the suns play the pacers on saturday evening uh a team that we just played recently so there's not a lot to really discuss uh, we know that DeMontis Sabonis will bring his big-ass head uh, to Phoenix. We're just hoping that he can get it out of the airplane yeah. uh, to get onto the or, yeah to, to make it onto the court. So best of luck to DeMontis Saboner. Um, I think on that note, uh, it's time to wrap things up. So again, if you're watching along live, we appreciate you. We appreciate the interaction in the chat. Uh, a lot of the this, this interactions and, and the, the thoughts that you've shared, we appreciate it. Uh, if you're listening later, you know, go ahead, subscribe, rate, review on whatever whatever podcast you're listening on. Or if you're watching later, hit the thumbs up button on YouTube down below. Subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. I'm Matthew Lizzie. And on that note, we'll see you on Saturday. Yeah, go home, love your family. Yo, cheers. Pop open a V8, people.